Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Psalm 32, if you'd like to, you can turn to in the hymnal, or if you have your Bible with you, or a Bible app on your phone, and want to look at Psalm 32, uh, verses 1 through 5, and then also the last verse, verse 11. Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. For when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. And then verse 11. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. On December 10th, 2001, breaking news from the athletic director of Notre Dame University. We've hired a new football coach. We've labored through many resumes and interviews and finally are pleased to announce the next football coach of Notre Dame, George O'Leary. On December 15th, five days later, breaking news, George O'Leary resigns as head coach of Notre Dame football. George O'Leary had lied on his resume, falsified his academic and athletic documents. Who he claimed to be was not who he was. Question for us this morning, who do you claim to be before God? If we were able to eavesdrop on a conversation in heaven, would you expect to hear God saying good things about you? Family Circus had a cartoon several years ago showing Jeffy and his sister kneeling for dead, bedtime prayers. Jeffy's sister says, Dear God, scratch what Jeffy said about the missing cookies. Here's the real story. Here's a real story we have this morning from Psalm 32. When I tried to cover up before God who I really am, my very bones wasted away. Inside my bones were like the drought of summer. In ourselves, we are wasting away. We are drying up, physically dying, because our transgressions, our sins and our iniquities are always before us. Transgression is our rebellious inheritance that we have, the nature that we have that we inherited from Adam. One trespass, Paul says, led to the condemnation for all people. Sin is missing the mark, imperfect in what we think, say, and do. Scripture says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Really, all have sinned and don't even come close to what God demands. 
what God wants for us in our lives. Iniquities, the guilt and shame we have when we stand before God because we are not right in our lives, in our relationship with him and in our relationship with each other. Isaiah says, we all like sheep have gone astray and turned to our own ways, even to the point of trying to carry the burden of sins upon ourselves each and every day or condemning ourselves for what we have done. This is who we are. And no matter what form of sin it takes, whether it's a trespass, a sin itself, or iniquities, we are always seeing in those sins and those iniquities and those trespasses that we are moving towards death. Death spreads to all because all have sinned. 100% mortality rate, it's just a matter of how, when, and where. This is our reality. Several years ago, the United States president in his State of Union message said this, I would like to see a universal condition where every man, woman, and child is offered a job, a good education, and health care. Universally, I'm not sure this is possible. It's a good wish, something to hope for, and perhaps even something to pray for. God offers a universal condition that we hear in our psalm today. My sin I did confess to God, and my iniquity I did not cover up. I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord, and you, O Lord, forgave the iniquity of my sin. This is offered to all people, offered to you and offered to me. It's universal. This does not mean that God ignores sin, whether it's a trespass, a sin, or iniquity. But it does say when we are truly sorry for our sins, when we confess our sins to God, God grants an official ruling. Every sin has been forgiven. You don't have to jump through hoops. There's no paperwork to fill out. Come before God, and it will be done as God says. Your sins are no more. Yet for every sin, for every trespass, for every iniquity, there is punishment. There's a story of two boys who had the best friendship, and they were out playing one day. They were playing baseball in the backyard, and Jimmy got distracted when Chris threw the ball to him. He didn't catch it, and it went through the glass window into the family room. Within seconds, Jimmy's dad came out. Who's responsible? And Jimmy said, I missed the ball. But just then, Chris stepped in front of him and said, I'll take the punishment. I'll pay the price for the new window. Jesus stepped in front of us. He took upon himself the punishment we deserved. And even though he's not responsible for our sins, he's not responsible for our trespasses, he's not responsible for our iniquities, and he was perfect in every way, he was without sin, he was judged for the sins committed in the world through all times. He was to die on a cross 
for all humanity, what humanity had coming to them, death itself. In his crucifixion, his suffering and death, he carried your sins and he carried my sins. He carried our trespasses and he carried our iniquities. Upon the cross, he cried out, it is finished, and our pardon was paid in full. And even though that we, we know that our iniquities, our trespasses, and our sins weigh heavy upon us each and every day, we need not doubt the defeat of these three, that God has defeated them for us in Christ Jesus. Winston Churchill said, without victory, there is no survival. Jesus, in his resurrection, won the victory over trespass, sin, and iniquities. The three of them are no longer hanging over us. They're no longer ruling our lives. The crucified Jesus, the risen Jesus, now determines our life in the present and in the future. And we're not spectators in all of this. In fact, we have been brought into this victory, into this death, and this resurrection of Jesus Christ. Paul says, by one man's obedience, even death on the cross, the many will be made righteous. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God sees absolute holiness. He sees absolute perfection. Absolute beauty in you and in me. We are righteous before God because Christ reigns in us. We are no longer who we were. We are no longer what we have done. But Christ lives in you and Christ lives in me. And in addition, we hear this exhortation, this encouragement for us in our lives. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous. And exalt all you who are upright in heart. But God doesn't leave it up to us to try to find joy or to find joy within ourselves. This joy comes down from above. Scripture says there is more joy in heaven for one sinner who repents. It's where God gathers us together here in the presence of our almighty God, our heavenly Father. To announce to us that our sins are forgiven, that we come into his presence. Our preschoolers, every Wednesday when they come into the house of the Lord, they have a song that they sing. And it's a beautiful song because it reminds us, Jesus is the way to our Father's house. And they put up a little house like this. And then they repeat that. And then at the end they say, where there's joy, joy, joy. God invites us into his presence that we might experience joy every time we hear the words that our sins have been forgiven.